Welcome to the Wide Lens Podcast. My name is Robert Baharian, and I'm the founder and CEO of Baharian Wealth Management, AFSL 526-798. The information contained in this podcast by me, my colleague, Matt Rigby, or any of our guests may include general advice and does not consider your personal circumstances. You should seek personal advice from a registered financial advisor who can consider whether the general advice is right for you. All right, welcome everyone to the Wide Lens Podcast, episode number four. I'm Robert Baharian and this is Matthew Rigby. Here we are. Hello all. How are you doing, Rob? Good, good. We're going to be covering the latest topics in financial markets uh, this week. Um, Just a quick reminder, jump on YouTube, uh, Baharian Wealth Management, um, and you'll find the Wide Lens Podcast under there. So we're going to kick off actually with a new segment which is, what have we called it? Matt's Market Recap. I don't think we called it that, but that's, <laughs> that's fine. Um, so, Matt, let's kick it off. Over to you. All right. So just just uh, something I thought might be useful is just kind of what's happened in the last week within markets around the world and to widen the lens for the year and, and so on. So uh, the Aussie Index, the Aussie 200 for this week up until Thursday, up around 1% uh, and down. Yeah, Sorry, down four percent year to date, which uh, you know, for all the hysteria we had early in the year, we're only down four percent. Uh, it's nothing. Um, C- uh, CSL is up around 11 percent. PHP flat, you know, uh, aristocrat up a little. Some of the banks down, but a little bit all over the, over the place. But CSL doing all the heavy lifting there. Uh, the Nasdaq's up around four and a half percent for the week, but down nine point six for the year. S and P up one and a one and a half for the week, down six point seven. So you know, for those massive losses we had early in the year, we're getting some of that back. Um, Interestingly, emerging markets pretty much flat for the week but, and up 1.7 for the year. So mm. they've certainly outperformed. Um, uh, stock specific US, the reopening, booking, Expedia, Hold on, aren't interest rates, high interest rates bad for emerging markets? Sure. <laughs> like, I, it, yeah, I, this, is, this is really interesting and it will be really interesting to see how that plays out uh, over the rest of the year. Um, the reopening companies are doing well. Marriott, Booking, Expedia, et cetera, mm. et cetera. Um, worst performers in the NASDAQ for the year, PayPal down 41%, Facebook 35%, Netflix 34%. Yeah. Uh, a couple others, oil down 2.5% for the week, but up 21% for the year. I think we've, you know, we've talked about that. We've talked about energy and, and uh, inflation. And Bitcoin, uh, Rob's favourite, uh, <laughs> got to be on the long, long side of this. So up 15% since Monday morning. Uh, as it trades 24 hours, but uh, Monday morning and down 8% for the year. We, so called, we called the bottom uh, on the show. You saw a live this week, d- last we? week. Okay. Yeah, we said bottomed out, 24th that. of January. Oh, that's right, your little outro. Uh, yeah, so look, um, yeah, markets are bouncing back, but still down for the year. So let's just talk about that, how difficult it really is to be picking specific stocks. So you throw Facebook out there, and I, and I, and I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk about that one. Um, Facebook obviously came out with their earnings uh, and the the reports. The stock was down 26%. Interestingly, the same day, the S&P 500 fell 2.4%. For the week, Facebook, for that week, Facebook lost 21.5%. And get this, while the S&P 500 gained 1.5%. So if Facebook or Meta is down 21.5%, 
S&P 500 is up. And I think about um, the, you know, they talk about the free lunch in investing is diversification. I, I, I couldn't agree more with that. The last two years have shown people that you can make lots of money picking stocks, yep. but it doesn't last very long. And so the key is how do you, when do you get in, when do you get out? Um, and of course, it works the other way too. So Alphabet, Amazon, they gained seven and a half and nine point five percent respectively. Yeah. And if you're investing in the S and P five hundred, you wouldn't have captured that full upside. So it's a downside protection, but you can't have downside protection with full participation on the upside as well. Yeah. Um, look, try, trying to pick individual stocks. There's there's so much literature that's been published that shows how incredibly difficult it is. Um, the Standard & Poor's Index versus Active uh, report comes out every quarter. Um, but I've got a couple of charts here that I, that I uh, want to bring up. This is S&P Dow Jones. Um, according to S&P Dow Jones, let's bring this chart up here. Only 22% of the stocks in the S&P 500 outperformed the index itself from the year 2000 to the year 2020. During that time, the median stock was up 63%. The index was up 322% during that time. Yeah, right. And you can see on the right-hand side of that, that uh, chart where you've got this massive long tail of significant outperformance. So if you if you don't get that one or two or three stocks, forget it. You're toast. You, you're not even going to make up what the index is making up. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, we've got 63% average return and the S&P 500 uh, gained 322% during that time. I've got an updated chart here. Again, this is from uh, S&P Dow Jones indices uh, for the year 2021. Most S- and we've published these these numbers before uh, in our decks that we that we release every quarter as well. Most S and P five hundred members underperformed the index in in twenty twenty one. The median stock uh, returned eighteen point seven percent. The index returned twenty three point two percent. And then again, you'd see this tail just drop off. Yeah, I mean the the, the disparity of returns is huge. Well, that's which the I guess thing. Right? Your point, right? If you if you pick a one one or two stocks on the wrong side of that ledger. You're done. It, it could go really well, like you picked the Amazon and you picked Alphabet, uh, but you could have picked Facebook too. Yeah, or Peloton. Um, or, or, or Peloton, that's right. And look, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with picking individual companies that you like following or you've got some background in or whatever the case may be. But I think investors need to be really clear on why they're buying the stock. Are you buying the stock because you like the company, you've got some background or used to work there or whatever it is or are you buying the stock because you think that you have some edge over the broader market and you're going to beat the beat the market and that may very well be the case but the numbers are showing that it's a bloody hard task to overcome it is and as as you've mentioned before if you owned amazon uh you know people go i wish i had bought amazon 2003 uh, the ups and downs you've had since then. So it's not only picking it, then you've got to stick with it, keep re- revisiting that thesis as to why have I bought this? Does that still remain intact? Uh, and you've got to ride those ups and downs. I think that's, that's really, hard. yeah, I think that's really important that what, what, what was the intention? What was the objective? What was the reasoning behind? And I think most people go into investments uh, with some rationale that they've manufactured or some narrative, but there's really like a, an exit strategy as well. So what needs to happen for me to exit this thing? 
Um, and so typically people jump into things and a whole bunch of other things happen that, that didn't, um, that what they had uh, imagined in their own mind didn't play out. And so you exit and typically you're exiting for the wrong reasons and the wrong reason you went in. Yep. So like, I think, again, there's nothing wrong with picking stocks. I just think it's a bloody hard game. It is, and it takes a lot of research. I mean, you think about, um, you know, to your point, it, the, why did I go in? Has that thesis remained intact? Let's just say MySpace was a thing back in the day. It was its own... It was a thing back in the day. Well, its own listed company uh. as opposed to owned by News Corp, I think. Um, you know, this this new thing called Facebook's come along. Is it new? Is it going to disrupt? Will it stick around? You know, whatever it is. And we, we all know what the history was there, but that's really difficult to understand those changing dynamics mm. and deciding whether to get in or get out. Mm. And a lot of people fall in love with their stocks, you know, and that, that's really hard and that's, that's kind of the cardinal sin. Don't fall in love with your mm. stocks, stay objective, mm. know when to get out. Yeah, 100%. Um, you want to talk about money flow? Yeah, look, maybe kind of on the back of that. Um, so there was an article in Bloomberg recently about the money flowing into ultra short duration ETFs. Now, what does that mean? For anyone who doesn't know what that means, uh, duration is... Uh, just think about as your the the maturity profile of a fund. So if you've got a long duration uh, fund, bond fund, uh, the average maturity of the bonds held within that fund are long, so five years, seven years. Why that's important is the longer the duration, the more um, sensitivity the, the underlying instrument has to interest rates. So if interest rates go up by, let's say you've got a duration of five, if interest rates go up by 1%, you could expect about a 5% move in that duration or, or that portfolio with a duration of five. So an ultra short duration is very similar to, well, you'd say securities maturing in less than a year. And I think in this instance, there were securities maturing in less than six months. So right. the, the reason you go into an ultra short duration fund is because you think interest rates are moving. Uh, and you're probably getting a return of similar to, I don't know, turn deposit. I'd never look at the article, bit. but does it tell us when people have been doing that? Like when were they doing it? Uh, they, well, they've just started now. This year, the, um, the, the, the flow going into it has been huge. And, and it's interesting. I mean, there are two, thing, two things that kind of came to my mind. One is... ETFs are giving people the opportunity to jump in and out of themes and reposition mm. their portfolios really quickly and really effectively. The other side of that is people are jumping in and out of their investments really quickly and, and maybe you know jumping at shadows, moving after the fact mm. that the market's already moved. So you sell your NASDAQ ETF, you jump into this ultra short duration ETF. Uh, meanwhile, the NASDAQ jumps. Let's just say interest rates don't move. So a lot of money is moving expecting interest rates to move if they don't move as much as expected then those longer duration funds or investments that have been hit hard will actually come back quite strongly so i just thought it was really interesting um on on both those levels that you know etfs are just giving people these more opportunities they're more nimble um but yeah that's not always which i think is a net positive for for the market but to, to your point before haven't Hasn't the market already priced in the interest rate movements? Uh, it, it should have. So if it hasn't wh yet, then wh it why <laughs> why are investors doing this after the fact? Well, because they're humans, unfortunately, and we react. And um, you know, it's it's all emotional driven. Um, you know, if you were wanting to do that, you would have positioned yourself last year. You're probably going to a a um, short duration type investment that would actually react positively to rising rates. Um, so anyway, it's it's. It's, uh, 
maybe capturing the flightiness of the market and individual investors. Talking about the market and individual investors, I want to talk about consumers and how I think Terminator-like they are at the moment with the talk of interest rates. Um, just bring just bring this chart up here. Uh, it's from the New, New York Fed. Uh, and it shows mortgage originations by, Fed, by credit score. So at the moment, everyone's talking about how interest rates are going to absolutely <clears throat> decimate the, the consumer, going to decimate the economy. Um, and what this is, and, and how leveraged the, the consumer is and the corporate is at, at the moment. And what this uh, chart is showing us is mortgage originations by credit score. And you'd, you'd know this better than me, Matt living in the States, how the US works on a, a credit score. Live and die by a credit score, yeah. And the, and the banks work off that and um, loans are given to you or not given to you. I don't know where the Phone interest rates... companies work off. I mean, everyone works off it. Okay. Utility companies. Yeah. And so the higher the number, the better your credit score. Yes. The lower the number, the lower the credit score. Yep. And so what this is showing is uh, if you have a look on the far right-hand side of this chart... You can see the dominance of that light blue line, which is scores of 760 plus, which from what I understand is like a, an ultra high, a very, very high yep. quality credit score. Yep. Tier one. Tier one credit score. Um, if, you, if you go towards the left hand side of that chart, you can see how that's changed. Um, but the thing that I took out of this was a couple of things. One, uh, loans have never been this credit worthy. But also the, the second thing that I take out of this is that subprime, so the issues that apparently caught, well, the, I don't think it was the lending that caused the issue, it was just the packaging up of those uh, debts and the on-selling of those debts and being rated in certain ways probably contributed more to it. But anyway, that, that's a topic for another, uh, for another day. But if you have a look at the, um, the credit scores of subprime, which is six, less than 620, so that dark blue line at the very bottom is almost now non-existent. What was, I wouldn't say dominating, you know, you've got $100, $100 billion of, of loans being made to subprime borrowers. And, I mean, even that orange line, I don't know what te technically they call that group of borrowers, but you look at the blue line, the orange line, there's almost $200 billion of borrowings. Look at it, what it is today. Yeah, look... <laughs> I mean, 2007, it probably explains a lot, right? But it's almost non-existent today. What, what would you say, 50 billion? 50 billion. At best? Tops. That's a quarter of what it was back in 2007. And then, and then what have we got? 800 billion that is being lent to those with high-quality Tier 1 credit scores. Yeah. And so the thing that I'm taking out of this is, is that maybe the consumer is a little bit more resilient than what is being made out to be, given these credit scores. Yep. And the second thing I wanted to share today was Bank of America shared these two charts, and let's get these up now. The first one shows US consumer cash on balance and corporate cash on balance. Have a look at where we're sitting at the moment. We're sitting at, what is it, $2 trillion of cash and or a cash equivalents. On individuals' balance at, sheets. Yeah, so... Yep. Uh, yeah, so the, the light blue line is corporates and the dark blue lines are uh, con consumers. Yep. And so have a look at how high that is now um, sitting relative to even where we were back in 2006. We are double yeah. at the levels that we were in 2006, 2007. And even if you go back to the early 80s or late 80s, early through the 90s, 
it's 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 well and truly beyond those those levels. The second chart is leverage ratios, which are near record lows. So this shows uh, corporate and consumer um, loan obligations. So think about it as like an LVR or ratio of how much of your money has to go towards uh, repaying loans. Again, have a look at what it was back in two thousand and and seven versus what it is today. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's changed a lot, um, and I think. You know, for on a, on the corporate side of things, if corporates haven't been, um, you know, cancelling and reissuing debt over the last few years to lock in these really low rates, then they've completely missed the boat. You know, it's such a huge opportunity if you're a high debt business like a, a car manufacturer or a property business. Um, you know, you want to be issuing long term debt now or in the last few years and, and cancelling what you already had out there. I think it was the Spanish government issued. 40-year debt at 2%. I mean, they knew what was going on. If you're buying that, you're totally going to lose money. But I think, uh, you know, for corporates, it was the smart thing to do and, and clearly it's playing out there do across you the board. Berkshire Hathaway issued uh, a bond back, was it during the COVID crisis? I think it was, at like zero coupon. Oh, really? No, yeah. I didn't see that. And I think it was in, it may have even been in euros. I can't, I can't even remember, but I distinctly remember at a zero coupon. Well, there were governments in Europe offering it at negative. Yeah. You know, it was just <laughs> better to get minus, you know, 2%. Because yeah. pre- if rates continue to fall, then you then probably on sell to someone else. But if and they make don't, money. Yeah, well, which, you know, you're going to take here a bath. T- here but, we are today. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, look, I, th- I think what this is showing is that both consumers um, and businesses um, do have record levels of cash and also have the capacity to meet those obligations on, on the other end. Yeah. And, and the other thing I just want to um, touch on here is everyone's talking about the debt. No one's talking about the asset on the other side of the balance sheet. And I, I don't have those numbers here. Maybe I should have brought them up. Maybe we can bring it up next time around. But that has grown incredibly relative to, to, to the debt. So I don't think yep. you can – so debt's always rising, but so too is the asset that backs that debt. So I think, I think that's something that um, we, need to, we need to keep in mind. Yep. Um, finally um, – Bank of Bank of America uh, published this chart, and let's bring this up now. So, what this is showing is the S and P five hundred, the U.S. stock market return during post World War II uh, rate hiking cycles. And so, all those red lines are basically showing us the S and P five hundred return when we're going through a rate hike cycle. On average. Uh, the S&P 500 has been up 16, 16.8% with an annualised rate of being up 8.1% during these times. And so we look at all this, we look at all this data and con- consistently it's showing us that stocks actually do a pretty good job even, after inf- even accounting for inflation uh, and even during rate hike, hike cycles. Is it going to happen every single time? No. We're obviously going to have some jitters like we had in, in January. Is that gone? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. Maybe we end, we end up the year, nothing happens, we end up flat. Maybe that's a good result. Um, but the, the, the point is, is that um, you can't discount this fact. Uh, markets do a pretty good job in, in catering for that. Yeah, and we've talked about companies being able to pass. I think we've mentioned McDonald's, uh, Chipotle, the big Mexican chain, fast casual yeah. chain in the US. Um, yeah, they came on and said... Basically, we can pass on prices and people will keep eating here and, and they've been able to prove it. I think it, they so. mentioned they can, they can raise 
prices six more times, <laughs> which coincidentally <laughs> like lines up with the, with the Fed interest, interest rate hikes. Perfectly timed. But yeah, I mean, that's the power of great businesses, great products, uh, and, you know, they've been able to pass those on. Um, or pass on those price increases. And uh, you're going to get a lot more, more and more of it's coming through. I think Wes Farmers came out today and said they're trying not to pass on because they've got a, you know, lowest prices guaranteed Bunnings type thing. So, um, you know, it's, it's a conscious choice. You can do it or you don't, but if you don't, you, you're certainly going to wear those I just got an email from a, <clears throat> I'm involved in a business um, and part of that is um, a transport. <clears throat> And we just got an email from the transport company that's increasing their fuel levy by, have a guess how much? Uh, 40%. 20%. That's not 40. Okay. I was going to say 10, but you you put me on the spot. (laughs) 20%. And talking to other business owners, what a lot of people are saying is that we're trying to absorb this because we are of the view that this is going to not be around forever and we don't want to piss people off and pass that cost on when we think we can absorb it for a little bit longer. But if obviously, and this goes back to the whole transitory, how long is transitory? Um, and if it does continue, maybe they're going to have to bite the bullet and pass it on. Pass on or pass on a little bit. And I guess once you wear some of it, uh, being able to pass on a little bit is, you know, it's a bit of a relief. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's interesting. And, and, you know, that goes back to, I mentioned oil up 24 odd percent for the year. I mean, it's, oh, you, you said, know, you said, you said the petrol pump, like it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it is crazy. It's always funny how quickly it goes up and how slowly it goes down. <laughs> Don't you reckon? Yeah. It, and it's, it's insane. And, but, you know, the Aussie dollar being down this year hasn't helped. Uh, but the reasons for it going up don't seem to translate for why. It I never be going understand. Down. I, if there's anyone out there that, that understands how all this works, please like just hit me Shoot up. Us like, an email. I'd love to know how it all works. I, I've, it doesn't make sense to me. It yeah. absolutely doesn't make any no, sense to me. I'm agreed. Um, let's. I just wanted to quickly talk about this, which is more about like headlines and rhetoric. Remember back in 2020 when COVID really hit and everything started shutting down, like no one's flying, no one's going to the movies, um, and that's why Netflix, you know, went gangbusters. Boomed. Yep. Um, no one was going. To, no one was going to theme parks. And the let's just bring this chart up here that um, I got from Statista that came out the other day, as Disney reported earnings. Disney recovers COVID losses as parks roar back to life. And if you have a look at the second group of bars there, the light blue line is, this, is 2019 uh, quarter end. And then you've got Jan, um, in the lighter blue line in the middle, uh, you've got 2021 Jan. And then look at Jan 2022. Like it is literally back to where it was just before the world came to a grinding halt. Yeah. And I believe uh, patrons are spending more per person than what they were prior to. Yeah, the, because uh, I couldn't go anywhere for two years or three years. So you know what? Stuff it. I'm going to actually go get my fast pass that you didn't get <laughs> at Funfields. It's nowhere near as good as Disney's <laughs> fast pass, but yes. Uh, but, I, 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 I agree with you and that makes total sense to me. And we just saw that consumers are cashed up. So, yeah, again, it, it And, and you mentioned sense. Marriott and a whole bunch of other, let's call them... Um, reopening. Reopening yeah. stocks. The rhetoric was back then, um, so what was it? It was, it was Netflix gaining during the pandemic, Disney getting absolutely crushed. And then when things turn, I feel like there's these people, again, we've talked about this before, where people extrapolate what is going on now. No one was ever going to fly on a plane again. No one was going to go on a cruise ship again. No one was ever going to go on a Disney theme park again. Yet here we are. Man, thank God we're here. 
took a while, but we're getting there. Yeah, and, and so the uh, point that I'm trying to make is whether it's with interest rates or whether it's what impact it's going to have on the stock market, people tend to extrapolate, have a recency bias, and then continue to extrapolate that into the future. Yep. And that's why people got caught holding the bag on the likes of Peloton and Netflix and a whole bunch of other at-home stocks. Yeah. And look, we see it all the time that companies, uh, that individuals will sell out during a crash or a downturn and they just can't get back into the market because they're too so concerned about the market falling again or whatever it is. And, and you know, the market goes up, it'll come back down again. Uh, and, you know, it's just, uh, it's, mm. a, it's a cycle that, that investors need to learn to uh, somehow mm. work their way through. Yep. Yeah. Um, so just uh, changing topics, Aussie property. Uh, I think everyone's right, favourite topic. Look, this is more just on the back of last week. So last week we talked about um, oh, yeah. the property stock on the market. Uh, and we pulled up a chart um, and we might even be able to bring it up again briefly. But basically we were saying uh, that the stock on the market in Australia and, and the US, but Australia specifically, um, was at you know, lows of the last 12 years. I think the data went back to 2010 uh, and it hadn't, you know, mm. we hadn't had such, um, so few stock on the market. And listings of the market, yeah. Yeah, and, and so there was an article that came out, um, it might have even been today in the Financial Review, um, and they were talking about uh, what percentage of the Australian housing stock changed hands last year. So uh, this comes from CoreLogic. Uh, so in 2002, when the property boom, close to 7.8% of the Australian housing stock changed hands, which was an all-time high. Um, then in 1819, when APRA brought in the macroprudential restrictions... Oh, I thought you meant in, in 1819. <laughs> what, what the hell is APRA Sorry, doing? Sorry, <laughs> 2018, 2019, uh, for those not reading at home. Um, so at, when when those restrictions came in, the percentage of housing stock of the country's housing stock that changed hands dropped down to 3.7. So it halved, yeah? So it halved. And wow. so last year, back up to 6.1. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. How does that gel with what we saw last week? And I guess that the overall theme is houses that are coming on are moving really quickly. And those that are lingering, which aren't as many as, as historically, um, you know, they're getting, slowly getting eaten up. Um, but at a much faster rate than historically. That's 6.1%. When you first told me that number, I was like, oh, that sounds really low. But that's <laughs> yeah, actually... That's terrible. Uh, that's actually a real... That's almost... Uh, well, getting not quite close to the record, but it's pretty damn high. It's, it's, it's not far off. I mean... It, yeah, I mean, will it keep going in a rising rate environment? One of the, the reasons for rising so much over the last couple of years, which was really interesting um, that they had put it down to the recent changes. I think this is the uh, president of the um, Real Estate Institute of Victoria. She was saying that due to the state government's changes in um, owner or oh, tenancy laws, that a lot of uh, landlords had been selling up with the fear that these tenancy laws are going to keep moving more and more in the favour of tenants and, and less and less in the favour of landlords. Uh, and so I think the quote was something in the order of a quarter or a third of houses sold last year were ex-rental stock being sold by right. landlords. Um, and again, going to that, well, you know, it's getting harder and harder and more and more expensive to have an investment property. Um, now, whether that's partly we're getting close to retirement, or let's cash up, whether it's rates are going to rise, let's cash in now. Or borders are opening and I don't need that holiday house. We talked about that the other week, We did, right? yes, absolutely. So, 
Um, really interesting. Uh, the overall theme was... You, you are the oracle. Rents. Uh, <laughs> where's that applause? Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, the, other, the other thing that came through it was that rents had gone up significantly because now you've got almost the opposite to... Mm. Uh, well, the same as what was happening in, in the... No, the opposite to what was happening in the States that we talked about a few, years, a few weeks ago is that what, you, what was former rental stock is now becoming owner-occupied mm. stock. Um, so there's been a big jump in rents as well. So, you know, that, that's something to watch. Uh, that feeds through to, you know, people's expectations for wage increases if their rent's going up by 10 or 15% a year because the stock's reducing. Um, you know, it all kind of adds to this theme of... The consumers is getting squeezed. I, I, don't, I don't know what the answer is. Do you know whether those, so if we're seeing record number of properties change hands, yet we're seeing super low inventory, does off-market transactions fall into uh, inventory? So if we're seeing inventory fall, yet we're seeing a record number of properties changing hands, maybe the two can be completely mutually exclusive. Like maybe they don't have to feed off each other. I don't. And again, if anyone knows the answer to this, whether yeah. whether off-market transactions feed into inventory. Yeah, I, I guess it all comes down to how they capture the data. I'm, I'm sure the Real Estate Institute of Victoria has got. I mean, they must be getting the data from what real estate agents or what they've got on I your got books. I've got no idea. And, and even if it's off-market, it's still on their books. Um, I guess what it does mean is that state governments, Victorian state government in particular. Uh, should be absolutely rolling it in, in stamp duty mm. income, mm. Uh, which will help to go pay for mm. their mountains of debt. So, um, you know, state governments around Australia should be doing pretty well out of this. Mm. Let's let's pivot again and talk about geopolitics. Everyone's favourite topic. When, like, you know how you go to these industry conferences and events, the top, the, 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 the biggest risks from this market property or market guru and you know he's going to speak at at 4 p.m today and talk about what the biggest risks are aren't the biggest risks always all china and geopolitics (laughs) volatility like isn't it the same shit year after year after year after year absolutely and this year we've got it all we've got geopolitics we've got inflation we've got rate rises we've got volatility how good's that we just need a pandemic uh we've had that so with, with what's going on with Ukraine and with Russia at the moment, and I, I'm not going to pretend. I, that's why I've got my political, okay. political expert here. I've got absolutely no guy. idea, right? None. But um, what I wanted to uh, look at is what actually happens when, I mean, we've got a, a vast, vast array of data that looks back in history and we can see... You know, what happened when there was airstrikes? What happened when there was oil embargo? What happened when that president was assassinated? What happened when Ukraine got invaded or Crimea got invaded last time round? Um, this was doing the rounds, um, but and a number of different groups have published something very similar. Um, I've taken Jim Reeds from Deutsche Bank. I, I felt like it was probably the most comprehensive summary. Um, uh, so let's get this let's get this chart up, and basically what it goes through, what the Deutsche Bank team went uh, went and did was, they looked at um, uh, geopolitical events going all the way back to I think nine the nineteen thirties, and so you can see there um, Germany, Czechoslovakia, and France, Pearl Harbor, uh, Suez Crisis, um, all the way through to the first Gulf War, um, Pearl Harbor. Uh, and, and, it, and it 
and it, and it continues. Brexit. Remember the Brexit vote? Is that still going? What's going yeah, on with that? Uh, airstrike of Syrian airbase. So th- they're probably more more recent ones. And what they did was they looked at when the 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 start of the event and the start of the sell off in markets from the event date. Right. They look at duration of the sell off. So how many days did the market fall or sell off? Mm-hmm. And how and the duration to recover. Uh, to the prior level. So how many days did it take to get back to where it was prior to the collapse, the size of the sell-off in percentage? And then did they go on and this? I found this really interesting. Not a lot of groups did this. Deutsche Bank did. They went one week, one month, three months, six months, 12 months from the bottom. What did the stock market do? Right. And so if you go all the way down to the bottom, it's going to jump to the, jump to the conclusion here. <laughs> The, the, the average duration of the sell-off was 15 days. The duration to recover to the prior peak was 16 trading days. The average sell-off was about 5.7%. And on average, uh, the market was up one week, one month, three months, six months, 12 months from there. And the, um, the magnitude of the rise of the market grows. So grow, one, one week it was up 3.3%. 3, 3.3%. One month, 6.7, three months, 6.5, six months, 7.7, and 12 months was 13%. Yeah, like, you know... uh, And that's a three-week bottom, right? And then a three-week recovery. I don't remember too many of these, uh, much to probably my kids' surprise, but um, the September 11 one, that that was the one that really jumped out at me. It took 15 days to recover that drop. Now I remember that as, as most. And the stock market closed do. too. <laughs> I was just thinking that the stock market was probably closed for half of those trading days. It's closed for one uh, week. Yeah, I remember that really vividly. But yeah, 15, 15 days for that to come back. Really interesting. It was still down over the twelve month period, but there was a whole lot of other stuff going on during that period. Um, so if you look I, at the the first highlighted one, that's Deutsche Bank, the Israel Arab War, and the and the oil embargo with. Clear, visible, negative economic uh, impacts. Global economic Yeah, impacts. absolutely. And we saw the biggest sell-off in the S P 500 and the slowest equity market recovery since World War II. So that was a big one, right? You're down 26 28% mm-hmm. for the year. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that, that one makes sense. Obviously, the oil, uh, the World Wars II uh, issues, I mean, obviously, that was pretty major, pretty major global ramifications. But I think the overall uh, theme out of this is Unless it has major global ramifications, it's probably a relative short-term uh, issue for markets, not for those that are in those respective countries. But um, you know, the vast majority of those are, are less than a month. Um, you know, uh, the Ukraine conflict back in 2014 it was two weeks. Um, you know, Syria, Brexit, all that. So they're all fairly short-term, except when they are a fairly mm. major global event. And this one's an interesting one because we're dealing with um, geopolitical issues um, and before that, the market was trying to digest. We saw the stay-at-home stocks absolutely start getting annihilated mid-last year, actually. In fact, maybe even before that. The market's dealing with um, you've got got inflation, which then Mm -hmm. sparks interest rate hikes, and now you've got this. And so when we look at the – when we look back in history – and look, I don't know what – uh, and I don't think anybody does knows what impact this is going to have on markets, if any at all. What history is showing us is that these events, as tragic as they are, they don't leave that deep of a scar in markets. They do recover relatively uh, 
quickly. quickly. Yep. Um, but the thing that you know I always think about is with anything that's going on economically in, and in and around the world is how, how is this going to impact company earnings? Yeah. Because company earnings are the one thing that drives stock prices. Yep. And so if company earnings impact stock prices, how is this going to impact company earnings? I mean, this doesn't impact company earnings in Australia. Uh, and I think I also saw that uh, exports to Russia from the US was 0.1% yeah, of nothing, US it's, GDP. It's uh, but for Europe, it was 1.5% of GDP. And I think that's potentially where the issue is in um, Russia exports a ton of energy to Europe. Yeah, that's right. There's some major gas pipelines that I think run through um, uh, run through uh, the Ukraine into the rest of Europe. So that that's potentially I the issue. I think they supply like a quarter of uh, Germany's gas. Is it that much? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, I mean, that has a big impact for Europe. But for the rest of the world, unless there is a world war, which you would think what about is cont- probably unlikely. What about contagion? Well, I think, uh, I mean, if it's Europe... Europe has struggled economically for the last 12 years, mm. 14 years, mm. uh, and the rest of the world's managed to continue, continue to grow. I guess you, know, you could go wider and go, what if, what if China gets involved? Then it's a whole different ballgame. Mm. Um, but I think also uh, it speaks to if this happened last year or the year before, markets wouldn't have cared whatsoever. Uh, but, it, but it adds to that. It's, it just, like another it's thing? just another thing. It's another thing. And so when the market's already concerned, they're concerned about everything. And then when the market's not concerned, it doesn't really care about anything. Mm. Uh, and I think this is just one more example of, yeah, terrible. Obviously, I hope it uh, ends quickly and, and peacefully. Uh, but if it doesn't, um, you know, the long-term impact to the market is, is pretty mm. much nothing. You look, at the Cu- look at the Cuban Missile Crisis, 62 uh, sell off seven. I mean, that, seven days duration up nine days. One year later, up thirty six and a half percent. Non-issue, as far as the market. Yeah, concerned. yeah. From a from a market Markets. perspective, yep. yeah, absolutely. And I think um, you know the thing that I take out of this and the whole um, Disney, you know, no one's going back to a theme park. Is if you just sort of step back and have a look at what the data is telling you, typically it's not quite what the headlines are, are printing. So, yeah. um, if you step back and widen the lens, maybe. Yeah, uh, I see what you did there. <laughs> well done. That was uh, not scripted. No, been playing that for four weeks. Uh, all right, let's um, let's wrap up with tips and recommendations. What do you got for us this week? All right, recommendations. So, I had the opportunity to watch a movie on Netflix called um, "Don't Look Up." Oh, did you watch uh, it? Yeah. Now, the cast, I looked at it and we just Insane. went, this is a crazy cast. Incredible. Really, crew, really good cast. Um, so I went in with high expectations. Oh, no. Uh, and maybe that says... <laughs> <laughs> so I fell asleep towards the end. Oh, no. It got a little the bit. The end's the best. No, it's satirical. I get it. Um, but it was just a little too much. Too much. A little too... Why? Why was it too much? I don't know. I just, I just couldn't get into it. Like, it was... It was there were a few funny bits... Uh, I appreciated the, you know, the Elon Musk type character and, and what, so on and so forth. <laughs> the, the president, I get it all, but I just, it just didn't do it for me. Did you laugh at all during the I did laugh. There were a few pretty funny <laughs> bits. Who's the little chubby bloke um, that... Jonah? Uh, yeah, Jonah. Jonah so Hill? Jonah Hill? I appreciate he can be funny, but any movie he's in, I just really struggle. I oh, just, really? I can't take him seriously. <laughs> I and I know hilarious. he's not to be taken serious and that's why he's there. I just really struggled. Although it, it, there were some funny bits, um, 
But uh, and, and look at the very end. I did laugh at how it ended. That was quite quite humorous. Um, do you think but, that's what, uh, do you think that's a path we're walking down, Matt? Like just uh, blowing up the world. Uh, why not? <laughs> well, I don't know. Who knows? No, I was reading an article the other day that some bloke came back from 2020, 2253. What? You know, so what? maybe we use it. Some. <laughs> some crap Where did you read the article? <laughs> I'd rather not say. Facebook, I think it was on Facebook. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, you're, watching, just you're, wa- you're watching Manifest. Intrigued. No. <laughs> I started watching, watching that, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, two or three episodes okay, in. Cool. Not bad, not bad. You enjoying um, it, so you'll continue watching that? Uh, look, I'm enjoying that way more than I enjoy Don't Look Up. Okay. Um, just don't turn it on is probably what it should be called. But um, oh, look, I'd give it, it a that bad. one and a half out of five. That's, okay. that's not great, is Three it? Three out of ten. Three. Below average, yeah. 30%. Yeah, okay. Uh, have you seen it? Yeah, 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 I watched it a little while ago. You, you I, clearly what, liked it. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say I liked it. It was, I just kind of sort of chuckled and thought, yeah, I can see how they're drawing a lot of these analogies. And, sure. yeah, it sounds about right. I, I did find it hilarious, though, because I think it's absolutely true when you've got people trying to talk, whatever it is, right, um, let you know, the public know about something and you've got media saying the piss out of it. And like, ha, 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 yeah, move on, you're funny. <laughs> and it's like, the, the, what, what is that, an asteroid? What's it, like a meteor or something? Yeah, yeah. Planet, like yeah. media, and then you look like to be the crazy guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, what do you got? Um, so I, I, <laughs> I thought you were going to do this one as yours. But um, on the advice from the team, everyone else is watching. Did you watch it? I haven't seen it yet, no, but I know where you're going. So everyone um, in our <laughs> I, know, I think this is in our Monday morning meeting. They are week. all younger. Let, does that need to so be stated? I think our team is a bit younger and they were loving the Tinder swindler. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> put this as a favourite to watch on Netflix. So I watched it with Deb the other night. Um. Do you know what it's about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's yeah. about this guy. He jumps on Tinder, Tinder, and he basically um, um, hooks up with these women, and he's hooking up with multiple women. And it's basically uh, he then takes them on private jets. He buys them bouquets of roses and takes them around in Lamborghinis and Ferraris. And this guy is just living on another planet. He is living. This insane lifestyle. Yeah. French restaurants, champagne, um, at every luxury hotel is where he meets. Yep. Um, and and basically, I don't think I'm ruining it here because I think the uh, it, it says this on the, on the summary. <laughs> basically, the guy's running a Ponzi scheme. So you know, I, I hook up with with one girl, and I eventually get her to fall in love with me, and then tell her about my financial problems and people are after me and she sends me money. That then she knows I'm super wealthy because I'm flying back. around in. Yeah. yeah, so this guy is the, the, the son of a billionaire diamond boss, diamond company. Supposedly. Supposedly. Yes. And then so the, that money then helps fund the next girl and the next girl yep. and the next girl. Interestingly, um, and if you're going to watch it, this might be a um, spoiler alert, so just hit the volume <laughs> button. Like nothing's happened to the guy. Oh, really? Yeah, so cops aren't interested. What? Yeah, no, no one cares. Well, what's, I said to the guys, what's he done wrong? He's lied. He's defrauded people. What do you mean what he's done wrong? Well, they gave it to him. Yeah, but he's been lying. He's got fake passports. So they caught him on fake passports. Oh, okay. Right? Because right. he changes his name, etc. cetera. Uh, what has he done wrong? 
I, I guess lying's not illegal, is it? No, I was always looking at what's your long term plan, man? What's your exit strategy? Surely you've got to be banking some of that. No, because <laughs> he kept spending it. Retirement. Where's your retirement money? Well, like, I reckon you could have ha- like, you dialed it down, and I reckon he, he would have made a bit of coin. <laughs> but he was just going, like, all out. <laughs> just watch go, it. Go it's, big or go I mean, home, right? <laughs> this guy's just swinging for the fences every <laughs> single time. All right, I will watch it this week. Um, it won't be my review next week, but I'll, I'll comment on and it. And, like, a lot of people are coming out and saying, oh, well, it's the stupid women, they, you know, they got yeah. fell into it. Yeah. I'm like, well, I don't think it's their fault. Like, no. I mean, they got set up. 100%. Like entrapment. Is it stealing? I don't know. Only if you never pay it back. Well, How's he going to pay it back? Well, know. no, he doesn't have to because he, he hasn't been charged with anything. That's nuts. And yeah, so, so the, 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 the girls are still paying these loans off. Oh, right. So these girls sold cars, took out, you know, short-term day loans. Oh, yeah. really? Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, it is yeah, insane. Right. Uh, yeah, well, the guys were saying that, um, was it American Express? Kind of went around and yeah, said, they, they got hey, you owe us a lot of money. The women told them, start, like, oh, yeah, no, we've heard we this, this before. Guy. Yeah, we yeah, know yeah, this yeah. guy. Is this him? They're like, yeah, that's him. Yeah. Sounds Crazy. like you watched it. How long? No, I haven't. Just... From what this human said. Um, how long ago was it? I don't know. I've been following on Instagram for a little while now. Following, no, following him. <laughs> um, well, it just came out. So I've, I've, I've got no idea when it came out. I suspect it's relatively, I don't know. It reminded me of, and again, I haven't seen it, a little bit of the, uh, the 80s movie Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Did you ever see that? Nah. With um, Steve Martin and Michael Caine. Uh, and essentially they go around trying to, Swindle money out of wealthy oh, right, women, okay. um, and end up, getting, end up getting swindled themselves. Quite a good movie, but um, that was the first thing that came to mind when, <laughs> when they were telling me about it. But anyway, uh, so I'll, he I'll he, he returned. So the events of the film end prior to his name's Hayut, not um, S- Simon Lviv. Uh, sentencing and trial, and he was returned to Israel in 2017 to be recharged and sentenced, but assumed a different identity and fled the country. How, <laughs> how <did> he, <laughs> I've got a great idea. This guy. <laughs> How did he even do that? Changing his identity. Let's send him away. He, he'll go there. It'll work. Oh, okay. Israel yeah, declared him a fugitive and he was eventually extradited back to Israel in 2019, convicted and sentenced to 15 months in prison. So apparently wow, he's... Okay. So he runs a business course now on how to, like, do sales. I'd, I'd sign up, man. He, he's, got, he's got something. He's doing something right. It's kind of like... Uh, was that catch me if you can guy? Oh yeah, became a counterfeit <laughs> dude for the FBI. I, I, I still don't know how this guy fled. He, he, That's yeah. awesome. Because he's fled. so good at changing his identity. I mean, he's got fifty passports, so yeah. you know, off he goes. All right, let's wrap up. Bye. Um, done. We'll be we'll be back next week. Sounds good. Thanks. Cheers.